Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. Everybody say, it is good. good. Last week we started into this message, and uh, I didn't get to finish it last week. And I don't know if I'll finish it this week, but you know what? There's 52 Sundays in a year. We'll get through it. (laughs) So uh, I was looking through the book of Psalms and at the phrase, it is good, and and, and what what the Bible describes what is good. And, And King David, this psalmist, this great man of God, this great king, this great man of war, this great man of worship, penned these words a few different times throughout the book of Psalms and very inspiring and very encouraging and very insightful and full of revelation. And last week we talked about the two things um, out of Psalm chapter 52, verse 9. He says, I will praise you forever because you have done it. Now that's an astounding thing to me that King David said you have done it. When all they were doing at that time was foretelling of a day when he would do it. Talking about the Redeemer who would come and redeem Israel and save his people. Hallelujah. He wasn't, he wasn't there. He wasn't where we are today. We know the story that Jesus came and died on that cross and was buried in that tomb and rose again the third day. And now we know that he did it. But David was saying, I'll praise you for you've done it when it hadn't even been done yet. But see, the fact that there had already been a prophecy, many prophecies at this point, and there had already been a declaration that it was happening, David understood something about God that all of us need to continually remind ourselves that if God has said it, it is as good as done. It's as good as accomplished. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Jesus, the son of David, on that day, that dark day on Calvary, hung his head with these last words, it is finished. It is accomplished. It is done. I will praise you, for you have done it. In the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. And I talked about the double meaning here. The name of Jesus is good, and it's also good to wait on his name, to come together collectively and to, with a an hopeful expectation that anything's possible. Just like this morning when the Lord began to stir, stir up his ministry right here through his spirit, that the anointing began to flow here, and people, believed, people received healing today. People received the cleansing flow of the blood of Jesus into their lives, and, and chains were broken from lives. I believe that with my whole heart. See, it's that, that wonderful ministry that continues today. And, and, and that happens when we come together and we have this expectation that when we're together, he's here, right? He said, where two or three are gathered, there I am. And if any of you agree is touching anything, it shall be done. And Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, it shall be done. You ask anything in my name, he said, I'll do it. I love that. His name is so good. And we talked about how he was named Yeshua, which is Joshua. Through Greek transliteration, it was Jesus. But it's really Joshua, the Messiah, named after Joshua, not Moses. Moses means drawn out, but Joshua means the Lord saves or the Lord delivers. Isn't that wonderful? So God wants us all here more mindful of what we have been delivered into than what we have been drawn out from. Hallelujah. It's called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. But as bad as your bad was, it isn't even compared to the good of his good. 
as evil as, as, as the devil's plan was, it was nowhere near how good the plan of God was. As sinful as you were, it didn't even compare to the abundance of grace because where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Aren't you grateful for that today? So there ain't no sin that you've committed that his blood can't wash away. Psalm 54, 6 says, and then he says, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. I love that. And we talked about that sacrifice of praise and Paul and Silas in that dank, dark dungeon of a prison. The Philippian prison had been fresh, freshly open sores on their backs from, from being beat. And in those chains and at midnight, the darkest time of night, and there they are offering up a sacrificial praise to God. And Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore, by him, that is by Christ, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. It says continually. It doesn't say based on certain circumstances. It said just continually offer it up. David said, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. And that sacrifice means that you're willing to lay aside certain feelings. Hallelujah. That you're willing to lay aside uh, the, 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 the temptation to please men or to save reputation, right? And, and offer up that sacrifice of praise even in that dark place, despite your circumstances, but because he is worthy at all times. And today, uh, and then today, let's get into some new things here. Psalm chapter 92 and verse 1, he says, it is good. Everybody say, it is good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. I didn't really mean for this scripture to fall on today, but we're coming into Thanksgiving week. I think it's pretty appropriate. A song for the Sabbath day, it says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. And then the next verse, 2 says to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness at night. So this has a lot to do with what's coming out of our mouth, right? Singing and declaring, giving thanks. Thanksgiving is, a, is not just a feeling of gratitude. It is a voice of gratitude. It's a declaring, a proclaiming of the goodness of God. See, he said, I will give thanks. I will sing praise. I will declare your loving kindness. I will declare your faithfulness at night. Are you hearing me? Amen. All of us, all of us. And this word thank, really in our language, is the same root word as think. To thank God is to think about God. In all your ways, what, is, what does it say? Acknowledge, think about Him. Thankfulness helps you see, to see things as they really are. It, it, puts, your, it puts you in the right kind of perspective. It keeps you understanding that, that, see, if you're thankful, then you understand that you're not the one that creates everything. You're not the resource. When you're thankful, you're submitting yourself to someone else. Look, let's look over at uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, and he, and he gives us a little warning in verse 16 before he gets to 17. And he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So he's telling us this because there's going to be the temptation to be deceived in this area of our lives. Because you're going to come across certain situations in life that will cause you to question this next thought. And he's telling us, don't be deceived. All right? That is, don't look at other things. Don't get your eyes on other things Always keep this perspective, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
Now, I want to bring up the amplified version of that. Every good gift and every perfect, free, large, full gift. This is the kind of giver God is. Free, large, and full gift is from where? Above. And it comes down from the Father of all that gives light in the shining of whom there can be no variation, rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. What this is telling us is that there is no dark side to the goodness of God. Hallelujah. And his generosity, God's goodness, is it's all-encompassing. See, he's light through and through, which means he can never change from being good. He doesn't lure you in with goodness so that he can, he can form some kind of manipulative relationship with you, so that he can hold, hold over your head, after all I do for you, and look at you out there sinning like that. And we do that to each other. We hold stuff over people's heads. After all I do for you, hmm, that ain't how God acts. Thank God we got a better standard than us. God is simply good because he wants to be good. He's simply good because he's good. He has to live with himself. And he's just decided in order to live with himself in peace, he's just going to be good no matter what. (laughs) Never going to change that. Never going to change. He can spin all the way around and he looks the same all the way through. And it is, I like this scripture, it is the kindness of God that leads us to what? Repentance. It's the goodness of God that causes us to what? To think. It causes, the word for repentance means to change your mind. Greek word metanoia, change your mind. There are a lot of funny ideas about what repentance is. I've been in those services and it was howling and crying and bawling at the altar. Hey, if it happens, you know, if, if, you know, if it happens in that process, great. Just make sure that it actually happened and you just didn't have them an emotional experience. But you can change your mind at any second of any day. Without the, without the music playing, without the, the perfect atmosphere for the lights dim and, right? You can just decide when you're in that car and that guy cut you off. No, I'm not going to flip him off. Right? You repent. Change the way you think. Huh? Bless you. <laughs> Can you repent? Change the way you think. But see, it's his goodness that does that. I don't know about you, but we've probably all experienced this at one time in our lives, that you have a, you have a weak moment in your life where you, you sin. You miss the mark. And like right behind that, something extra good happens to you. Yeah. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I was like, wow. Wow. You saw what happened back there, right? I'm not worthy of this. It's not about you being worthy of it. It's about who I am. I choose to be good. My goodness is not based on what you do or don't do. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this. God is simply good because he's good. See, it's at that moment, see, to think, to thank. 
When we realize and recognize the goodness of God toward us, it draws a certain response from us. That, that response is thanksgiving. And see, it's at that moment when you give thanks that your thoughts line up with truth. Thanksgiving is the purest, I believe, expression of faith that someone can give to God. It's a decision to a humble position on the part of the recipient. See, you understood, and I've said this a while ago, you understand, see, when you're giving thanks, that you're not the one that created the good in your life. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And what, you, and what good you received in your life didn't happen because the planets all lined up and because circumstances just worked out just right at the right moment and not because you were at the right place at the right time, not because luck was smiling on you, right? Your creator intervened in your situation. Hallelujah. Your creator, he designed and formulated and executed a plan just for you to help you. The Bible says he's a very present help in time of need. See, God has brought each and every good gift into your life. And thanksgiving to God, giving thanks to God, it is good because what it does is humbles you under the opinion of that truth. That you recognize continually, God has brought this into my life. And Jesus said, it's that truth that you know is the truth that's going to set you free. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brethren, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, we have to just stop for a moment and think about that phrase because we can just pass over that and, it's, and, and really the power of that. But there was a time, you know, how the tabernacle of Moses was set up in stages, and the people entered into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And, 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 but there was only one man who could go behind that big curtain, that veil, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God resided. And only one man, the priest, could go behind that curtain once a year. The Bible says not without blood. He had to have the sacrificial blood of bulls or goats come behind that veil into the holiest place, the holy of holies. <laughs> there's holy, but then there's the holy of holies. And sometimes this guy didn't even survive the event. He would get back there and maybe didn't do everything right, dead. But this says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest. How? By the blood of Jesus. See, that's how free you are. That's how far you are away from sin. That's how far he brought you. Thoroughly cleansed you enough to be able to survive, not just survive the encounter with the holiest of all, but to show up boldly. I mean, it'd be one thing I can even understand groveling and crawling on my hands and knees just to get a peek into the holiest place. Are you with me? Yeah. Right? When we think about God his, and His majesty and His holiness and His purity, we think, I, I, can't even, I can't even measure up. I can't even look up. But this says, by the blood of Jesus, the only right way to enter the purest, holiest place is with boldness. That means you really believe what Jesus did, he did it for you. And you really believe in what his blood accomplished for your life. 
that it really did get rid of all the junk. That it really did bring you into right standing with Almighty God. Isn't that the goodness of God at its pinnacle? Hallelujah. Verse 20. By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Jesus accomplished it as a man walking on this earth. Verse 21. And having a high priest over the house of God. Look at 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. A true heart is a heart full of faith. Let's go back to 22. I didn't finish that. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. I have a feeling that the confession of our hope is something like this. Thank you, Jesus. What David said, thank you that you've done it. Thank you, Lord, that it's accomplished. Hallelujah. It's, it's, so it's not the recognition of our sin, ladies and gentlemen, or the lack of sin that empowers us to boldness before God. A lot of funny ideas about that. It has nothing to do with it. But the understanding and the insight that the blood of Jesus solely is what cleansed you and made you holy and blameless to enter that very throne room of God himself. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is this open invitation to the grace of God and its influence in every, every area of your life. And we've talked about what grace is. It's unearned, it's undeserved, it's unmerited. Yeah. It comes to you because God wants it to come to you. We have a friend named John Miller, Ray Ray's daddy, who years ago, uh, when we were still downtown, came and picked me up for lunch one day. He didn't realize at that moment just how the timing of our appointment was. Called me and said, can I take you to lunch? And, and when John Miller says, or can I take you to lunch, or can we go to lunch, I, my, I always accepted it because I knew I wasn't going to have to pay for that lunch. And so I said, absolutely. So he came and picked me up in his big dually. And, but before that, he didn't know, just a couple hours before, I had been in our youth room crying out to God because we needed, Heather and I needed a change in our finances. We had just moved to this area. We were st- our home was still for sale out in West Texas, and we were trying to get a home here. As I had my wife under the same roof as my parents. And how many of you know that lasts peaceably for just a time? But there's a time when, when this mama has to spread her own wings and set her own nest up, right? And so, you know, she was tolerant and patient, but time was running out and patience was running thin. So I was doing everything I could, thinking how in the world are we going to afford a house here? Because the real estate here was considerably higher than San Angelo, Texas, as you can imagine. And there was a big difference. And I mean, it was like, it was an overwhelming thought to me to be able to even buy a house here. I just thought, how in the world is this going to happen? Did we, I think we screwed up. We had it good there. Little house payment and a lot more house. And then, and then this house was going to be almost half the size of the one we had and about $50,000 more to purchase. I, just, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that. And, uh, and so I was in the youth room that day, and I was praying, and I'm going to have to admit to you, it wasn't, it wasn't all just hallelujah, praise the Lord. It was, it was God, you got to do something now. I need your help now. 
Look where we are. I mean, we're here, and I believe that we heard from you. I've got to have your intervention here. And as I kind of grabbed a little bit and, and just, just poured out you know, everything to him, I kept thinking about that time when David, David would, all, he would do things like that, but he'd always end it in praise. And so I did. I just spent the last bit of that prayer saying, okay, God, I know you're faithful. You've always been faithful. You're going to be faithful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then John Miller called and said, can I take you to lunch? So I thought that was a good start. So we went and ate lunch. And, and then, and then uh, I, I was kind of telling him about our situation, you know, and, and then he pulled me up to the church and, and, and uh, uh, we talked for a little bit. And then I, I, I went back into the office. And a couple hours later, he called me on a church phone, and Dad called me in his office. He said, hey, Eric, I've got John Miller on the phone, and he said he, he wants to pray. And we had him on speakerphone. I'll never forget us standing in there, and, and, and John just begins to pray, pray about our situation. And then he said, Lord, I thank you that the buyers for this home are on their way. Now, let me just tell you what had just happened. We just had a contract collapse on the house. That's, that's a disheartening moment, you know, when you think, yeah, we're making ground, all of a sudden, it just goes away. And and he said, I thank you that the buyers are on their way. This is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. By 5 o'clock, we had a brand new contract on the house from a new couple, and they bought it. Amen. Extraordinary. And I never forgot that moment of just thanking him before we ever saw it happen. Thanking God for it in advance and offering up that, that statement of faith with thanksgiving. See, the truth is, when you thank God for something, he's not going to be in debt to you. He will not be in debt to any man. He will, he will make sure that that word gets performed. So when you give thanks for the answer before the answer comes, what you do is you set your faith in motion to see it happen. Hallelujah. And thanksgiving isn't just a response to a benevolent act or a kind gesture, but it's this attitude. It's this resolve. It's this stand in your life that I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to bless God. I'm going to thank God no matter what because I know he's faithful. His word is going to work and I'm not going to believe anything else but his promise. Hallelujah. Amen. So, and, and he's going to receive the glory at the beginning. He's going to receive the glory in the process and he's going to receive the glory when that promise is manifested in my life. Are you hearing me today? Hallelujah. Now listen to me. Now you as a child of God, if, if you believe that you're entitled to good things, then you have this, your mind is diseased. That's wrong thing. You're not entitled to any good thing. See, God wants you to understand that, that this is all about Him. This is all about that man, Jesus Christ. The Son of God and the Son of Man, seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the centerpiece of God's attention and His whole love. And everything revolves around Him. And He will get the glory. And He will get the honor. Are you hearing me? And if we think that some, for some reason God's going to smile on us because we tithe four times in a row, we got the wrong kind of thinking. Because we don't tithe for those reasons. We don't give for those reasons. Abraham had a blessing pronounced over him, and he tithed in response. And Isaac did the same, and Jacob did the same. All of our heroes of faith lived that lifestyle. It then became part of the law. I think God liked it so much he made it part of the law. But all the conditions changed. You had to tithe or you would not get blessed. And then Jesus came and took the law out of the way, nailing it to his cross, 
And then the blessing of Abraham came on us. <laughs> and you are blessed with believing Abraham. Now we offer up these things in thanksgiving. Does that clear some things up for some of you in here today? Amen. But if you believe you're entitled to it, see, you're, you're not thinking right because entitlement is the absence of thanksgiving. What would you give thanks for if you felt entitled to it? Why would you give thanks? You know, your boss gives you that paycheck. You might say thank you, but a thank you is not really necessary. Why? Because you're entitled to it. You worked for it. You earned it. But if he decides to give you a Christmas bonus, now you're receiving something that you're not entitled to. Then the proper response is, thank you. There is a difference between expecting good things and feeling entitled to good things. Let me encourage you today. As a child of God, you're set up for good things because your heavenly Father brings the good things into your life. So you can expect those things because your heavenly Father is good, but don't for one minute ever think that you're entitled to them. Jesus is entitled to every good thing. His, and as his child, see, you're, you're susceptible to God's benevolence continually. So entitlement really plays no role here. Let me show you how it works. Go to Galatians chapter 3. We're getting near the end here. Near the end. Regina, thoroughly enjoyed your poems this morning. Thank you for that. That's very inspiring. Galatians 3 says, This only I want to learn from you. Paul's talking to the Galatians. He says, Did you receive the Spirit by <clears throat> earning it or by the hearing of faith? Did you receive the Spirit because you earned the Spirit? That's what the works of the law was. It was just working for it. Or did you receive it because you believed? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? That is, you put your faith in Christ, you received Him for salvation, but now you're perfecting your walk with God through the flesh. I am entitled to that because I did this, I paid the price, I did this and this, and therefore I should receive the good thing. Paul calls that foolishness. Next. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if, in, if indeed it was in vain? Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it because you earn it? Or does he do it because you believe? By the hearing of faith. What's the answer? Because you earned it? If you want to see the miracles, you've got to stop the sinning. Really? Really? If you want to see the miracles, you must do good works. Really? No, I think that you shouldn't sin, and I think that you should do good works. Let, let me say that just so you, you're clear on what I'm saying here. But the supply of the Spirit and the lifestyle of the manifestations and experiencing miracles and signs and wonders come by faith. Period. And by the way, a life that's lived by faith is a life that's living holy. So you aim short if you aim short of faith. 
Because whatever is not of faith is sin. From the beginning of your life in God to experience a life with His supernatural manifestations, it's done simply by faith in God's goodness and grace. We're not entitled to any of these things, but you can expect them by simply believing because they're freely given. Amen? I want to finish with this thought here. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Oh, Lord, I just want to know your will. Give thanks. Amen. Give thanks. Amen. Live a life of giving thanks Amen. in everything. In, I didn't say for everything. I said in everything. Oh, Lord, I thank you for this disease. No, he didn't give you that disease. Don't thank him for that. Are you hearing me? The devil's want to come steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give life now. Don't get goofed up. Thank him in everything, not for everything. <laughs> because when you're in that atmosphere of thankfulness, then you stay in the atmosphere of faith. And there, see, you allow then God to give his grace. You cannot have grace without faith. You cannot experience the, the, those benevolent moments with God outside of faith. By grace through faith, you have been saved. And by grace through faith is how you'll experience anything from God. In everything, give thanks. The only monument in the world built in the shape of a bug to honor a bug is located in Fort Rucker, Alabama. Anybody ever seen that monument here? You have? Oh, there, oh, you brought it up. There it is. Isn't that ugly? In 1915, the Mexican boll weevil invaded southeast Alabama and destroyed 60% of the cotton crop. In desperation, the farmers turned to planting peanuts. And by 1917, the peanut industry had become so profitable that they harvested more peanuts than any, uh, our country harvested any more, many more peanuts than any other country in the world. Isn't that amazing? In, 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 amazing? in gratitude, the people of the town erected a statue, there it is, and inscribed these words. In profound appreciation of the boll weevil and what it has done as the herald of prosperity. The instrument, see, of their suffering had now become the means of their blessing. So that is why in everything you must give thanks because, see, God has this incredible ability to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good. He has this amazing ability to take what is down and to lift it up. Hallelujah. He has this amazing ability to take that which is broken and make it whole and new again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Give thanks not because you're healthy, but because he's the healer. Give thanks not because you are prosperous, but because he's your provider. Hallelujah. It's good to give thanks all the time and everywhere because good is, God is good all the time everywhere. Amen. Can I get a better amen than that? And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. Please, especially on Thanksgiving, take time to give thanks. All right? Especially on that day. 
I know you got family food and football. That was Cowboys football. But in spite of all that, make sure that you take the time to give thanks. I, we had an elder in our church out in, in West Texas that used to give thanks after he ate. They would sit at the table with their family, and they would eat their dinner, and then they would hold hands and pray and thank God for it. He said it's easy to thank God in the moment of need, but it's in that moment where you're fat and satisfied is where we're tempted to forget. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good idea. That was Tommy Olive. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. So can we take about one minute right now to stand and let's let our voice be heard. Let the creator of the universe enjoy you just giving him thanks right now. Just lift up your voice to him and tell him thank you. Just thank him right now. Come on, just offer up that sacrifice of praise. The fruit of your lips giving thanks to God. Hallelujah. He's the one that brought every good thing into your life. He is the one that has supplied you with abundance. He's the one that allowed you, that caused you to, to be born in the United States of America and live in the greatest country in the world. Hallelujah. He's the one that, 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 that brought you here today. You could have been in the hospital, but thank you, Jesus, we're at church today. Could have been in jail, but thank you, Jesus, we're in church today. Could have been in bed, homesick, but praise God, we're in church today. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Father God, that you watch over your word to perform it. That even that while we were yet sinners, you demonstrated your love and died for us. Hallelujah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ has made a way for all men, all men to have a relationship with God the Father. I love this. Jesus didn't just bring us to a relationship with God the judge. He brought us into a family by His blood, where God is our Father. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. Now, everybody's going to go to God. We're all going to give account for our lives before God, but only Jesus can take you to the Father. And see, that means that's an everlasting thing. You're in that family. You're in the family. My children, no matter where they go on planet Earth, I will always be their father. No matter where. If I don't talk to them for 50 years, still their daddy. Your father is your father. See, that's how thoroughly saved you are. Jesus didn't just save you from hell. He saved you right into a family relationship with Almighty God. And no matter where you go, God is your Father. Now, I don't know if everybody in here is enjoying the benefits of that relationship. You might be here today and you are not a recipient of that wonderful blessing. You're not a part of the family of God because you've never put your faith in what Jesus did for you. You've believed that if you're just good enough and if maybe everything will work out in the end and if God sees the good outweighs the bad, that ain't how it works. 
Your goodness, none of our goodness could ever measure up. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us. I don't care how good we are. Inside is our problem. So you were born right into sin. That was your problem. You're not a sinner because you sin. You're a sinner because that's who you are. But thank God that he did something to redeem us and to cure that problem by becoming a man himself and taking the punishment upon himself to redeem us from sin. Lived a perfect life. Therefore died a perfect death. One in which death could not hold him because he was innocent. You, I invite you today, if you've never simply put your faith in Christ to be your Savior, the only way to God, to freely receive him today. He freely gives you salvation. He freely gives you grace. He's not looking at what you're doing or not doing. He wants you to look at what he did for you. He wants you to see what he did, to experience his love for you to know that whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. It's that simple. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And whoever believes on him will live forever. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I want to know Jesus. I want to know God as my father. I want to be part of the family of God. Would you just raise your hand where you are, and I'll pray with you. I'm not going to have you get out of your seat or anything. I just want you I just want you to acknowledge it right now. If you're here today and you want to know God as your father, you want to be a part of this wonderful family called the Church of the Living God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, Father, I thank you now for your blessing on your people as they leave here today. Lord, they have been blessed coming in, and they are certainly blessed in their going out. I thank you, Lord, that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways. Thank you for that precious blood of Jesus that, that brought us right into bold access before the throne of grace that cleanses us and covers our lives. We thank you for saving us. Thank you, Father God, that your people are those who are strong, know their God, and they do exploits in the earth, Father, that you have a great purpose and a plan for them. And Lord, that all the days of their life, they will not go to the right or to the left, but they will fulfill their God-given destiny in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father God, for that mission field called the world out there that's waiting for us to bring a message to them, a message of hope, a message of life, a message that will change a dead man into a living man. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon your people that they are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, first, not last, victors, no longer victims. And I thank you that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as we go forth with joy today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God.